TuneIn is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. That clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here. On TuneIn, go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. Odyssey celebrates the class of 2024, brought to you by T-Mobile. You can count on T-Mobile to help you stay connected on America's largest 5G network. You're listening to The Extra Point Show with Sal Capaccio and Sneaky Joe DiBiase on WGR Sports Radio 550. As sometimes happens on this show, I got to rely on Joe to kind of keep me in check and let me let it. Let, I have to ask you if I'm the one being wrong or naive or anything like that. Right? Uh huh. Okay, so here we go. So the Bills make a couple of position coach changes. Uh huh. They elevate and promote and keep in house both their linebackers coach, Al Holcomb, goes from senior defensive assistant to a position coach. Mm-hmm. You might say senior defensive assistant sounds like it's higher, but a position coach is actually. Yeah. Those other titles are kind of like you're here and you're hanging and you're ask, we're asking you to do some different things, but that's a, a position coach is actually a, a bigger deal. Yeah. They move Marcus West from assistant D-line coach to D-line coach. Okay. After Eric Washington left. As soon as that news hits, I see a lot of fans upset because they're keeping it in-house. and They haven't won a Super Bowl, and you're just running it back. Somebody even said the definition of insanity. Keep doing the same thing over Mm -hmm. and over. Maybe I'm the naive one. I just want to be like, dude, really? Like, these people... Like in any job, in any walk of life, have learned the system. They know it. They're the people underneath. They they have also worked to be earn these positions, A. Mm-hmm. It's not like the D-line sucked all year. Mm-hmm. But I get it. The last game of the year is what people, oh, you, last two years, the D-line sucked. So why would you promote the assistant D-line coach? Um, I just don't, I don't know what there is to be upset about. To, I mean, I had people on social media Asking me, and again, I'm not, hey, maybe you're right, and I'm asking Joe what he thinks here, so mm. I'll get his thought. I had people telling me on social media, there's thousands of other coaches out there, D1 coaches and other teams and people you know on other staffs who may have been let go. Yes, that's true. There's also those people who don't necessarily know your system, your players, your technique. You have to onboard them. You don't know what you're getting. I'm not saying there can't be better coaches, but that's also these people assuming that Marcus West isn't a good enough coach, for example. This is one where I would assume you're going to get a certain – it might not be a large group of people, but either way, no matter what happens, someone's going to be upset by it. If you stay in-house, then the people that pretty much just want Sean McDermott gone, I think, are going to be like, well, you haven't won the Super Bowl yet, and like, see, you just – you." Could never change things, whatever. I think those are mostly the get McDermott out of here people. If you could actually say though for both, because what if they had hired out outside of the building? You would have probably a different group of people that would be coming at you with, see, they can't retain coaches. Ha! I love it. That's right. Right? That's so right. So I think kind of this is one of those where no matter what happens, <laughs> like there's going to be some people right. that that are just going to want to make it a problem. Either way. I don't think it's much of anything. I don't think it's anything that you need to be upset about. I mean, that they're promoting guys from within. They're, they bring guys in from out of... I mean, Joe Brady wasn't in the Bills building when they brought him in to be the quarterback coach. Joe, Marcus West, this guy we're talking about, came in last year. Right. He was literally brought right, in new year. a year ago. Yeah. So and, was Al Holcomb. And Al Holcomb, who was They weren't on staff for, the, for six years. Yeah. Holcomb was calling plays for the Panthers right yes! before that. Um, and don't we think... I mean, I don't know this, but don't we think they're probably going to go out of the building for quarterback coach? Ooh, that's a good question. Is there an obvious this person actually, in the building right now? Yes, there are. There are three. Okay. I okay. just tweeted about this today. I just posted a video, actually, if you want to check that out at Sales Sports. But the, the, there are three people in-house you could go with. Mark Lubick was the assistant quarterbacks coach. He's in-house. Okay. He's also slash game management. So like an analytical side. Yeah. Right? 
Mike Shula is the senior offensive assistant. Right. So that would be the same kind of move they made with Al Holcomb, but on the other side. Yep. And then you have Kyle Shermer, who played quarterback in college a little bit briefly in the NFL. Mm -hmm. His dad is Pat Shermer, and he is actually an offensive quality control coach. So he's on staff as well. Okay. So I do think they have three in-house candidates, and I would not be stunned if one came from there. Okay. If that quarterback's coach. It is, by the way, the only position I see that they do not have it filled yet. Every other position, could there be a change? Sure. Could we get to the combine and we find out that some, I don't know, the wide receiver, the running back, the line, whatever, that there's a change? Yes, that could happen. But as of right uh, now. That's when Leslie Frazier walked away right around, I think, timing-wise. exactly right. Last year. So, as of right now, the only actual position coach they do not have filled is quarterback's coach. Okay, so let's take that. Mm -hmm. What would be better? To go outside because you need a new fresh pair of eyes and... You know, all the things that go along with those talking points or, mm-hmm. hey, people have been here. They've developed a relationship with Josh Allen. They know the system. Mm-hmm. You- That's one where, and I would be coming at this from a pr- pretty ignorant place where I have no clue, and the Bills would know better here. McDermott would know better. Bean would know better. Like Kyle Shermer, for instance. Mm-hmm. What He's he's young, right? He's in his 20s still because he was playing yeah. Yeah. not long ago, right? Yeah. He is, he's 27 years old. Mm-hmm. So... If he's they, Josh Allen's age. He's Josh Allen's age. That's funny. <laughs> is he, is Allen 28 yet? I think he might be, I think but he's, yeah. I think he's, he'll, he's 27 now. I think he'll be 28 before the season. There you go. I think. Um, so the Bills would know what his future looks like, how ready he is right now after only a couple of years on the coaching staff. But if they think, hey, this guy is going to be a coordinator one day, we're going to make him the quarterback coach now, and then maybe he's a – He's ready to go when Joe Brady either, you know, I guess he could be fired. We never thought that about Ken Dorsey or probably more likely at some point would get a head coaching job. Then, okay, this is the guy. He's ready to go. Promote him to offensive coordinator. They would have to know or think he's a couple years away from that. I could see him being a a coordinator in two years. That would have to come from them. I have no idea whether Kyle Shermer is anywhere near that or whether these other guys, maybe Mike Shula because he's more of a veteran coach. You might feel like you know what you're getting there. Mm-hmm. I would be more excited, though, I think, if they brought in Joe Brady 2.0 to be their quarterback coach. I don't know who that name is, but a guy that, like, you know, is a name we know and would think, okay, this is this is the guy that they're bringing in just in case Joe Brady gets a head coaching job next year and they don't have to do a whole new, you know, offensive coordinator search. Okay, two things on that. Number one, Excited, you use the word excited. Obviously, excited doesn't mean better, right? No, that's right. That's right. You might get excited about it, but the better guy on staff might be. Let me tell you, you know whose resume this is? Offensive coordinator of the Buccaneers, quarterbacks coach of the Dolphins, head coach at Alabama, quarterbacks coach of the Jaguars, quarterbacks mm-hmm. coach of the Panthers, offensive coordinator of the Panthers, offensive coordinator and quarterbacks coach of the Giants, quarterbacks coach of the Broncos. That's Mike Shula. Mm-hmm. Like, wouldn't he kind of fit the mold of this guy's been around, he's seen everything? Yeah. So you could make the argument either way. And yes, a fresh set of eyes. I totally get that. But to your point, Joe, what you just said, I think that's exactly what they did with Al Holcomb. I think Sean McDermott probably knew, hey, in a year from now, I might lose Eric Washington. I might lose Bobby Babich. I might lose somebody. I need a guy in here now yeah. who I say can touch all the different spots. And then when it comes time, if I lose somebody, I can just put him in that spot. I think that's what they did with Al Holcomb, what you're suggesting they could do with the mm-hmm. new quarterbacks coach. Right. Yeah, p- pretty much. They could do that. Um, I might hope the Shula idea wouldn't excite me at all. Right. Like I, like Shermer maybe, but again, that's from me not knowing, but Shermer coming up through the sport in a different era than, than you know, Shula is what, near 60? Probably right about. I mean, he's yeah, been coaching he's in the league forever. Yeah, okay, so like... For me, like the fresh set of eyes would maybe be important there. When they hired Joe Brady, he was 32 years old. I don't want to just make it an age thing, but on did, some did, level, like the coach, the coaching game is getting younger across yes. the league. And right. I think the guy I would want to give an opportunity there would be someone that's just getting his head coaching, getting his coaching career going, rather than being mm-hmm. maybe on the back half of his coaching. Career. Yeah, for sure. I totally get that. What would you think about how it? Let's just say, for example, Brian Dable was on the market, which he's not. Hmm. Where, which category would you put him in? He's only 48, but he has that same kind of resume I just read to you yeah. from Mike Shula. 
He's one where I just think he's too big to ever be a positional coach again. Of course, right? But, yeah. I mean, if he was, if he was, which kind of category would you put him in? Oh, fresh eyes. I need the young guy that's coming in. Or would you, ah, eh, you know what? He's been around. He came up in a different era. He came on under Belichick. Yeah. He's a little bit in the middle, I guess. Yeah. So you get a little bit of both, I think, with, with yeah. Dable. Um, him, of course, you have proof in the pudding that he knows what works with this quarterback. And we've seen it work, and we've seen it be executed before. So the question marks, of course, with him wouldn't be present that they are with uh, with guys that would currently be on the staff and also guys you would bring in. I mean, even Brady, there were question marks. He had That had not gone well for him in Carolina. He had called plays. He had been an offensive coordinator. It had not gone particularly well. Right. So you didn't know what it would look like, but you knew, hey, young coach, not a ton of experience. Maybe you're molding him a little bit as you bring him into your own building. That's what I'd want to see. And maybe Shermer is that guy. Maybe Shula they think can just step right in and then they don't have to have all those question marks. But I look at quarterback coach for this team as almost like a developmental role as they're going to have offensive coordinator changeover, no matter what happens, at least over a period of several years. And I look at that job as a little bit of, okay, you're working with Allen. That's important, but a little bit of a developmental role to work underneath the offensive coordinator, because the way the league is now if you're a quarterback coach mm-hmm. on a team that has a great offense with a great quarterback, you're pretty likely to eventually get offensive coordinator gig. jobs. Let it's alone a great gig to jobs. have, right? It's the best positional coach job you can have, I think, I, in the coaching right. ranks. If you're with a guy like Josh Allen. Let me also throw this out there just so everybody's clear. So let's say it doesn't matter. Getting back to, oh, they're just staying in-house and doing the same thing, or they're going to get somebody else. It does not matter who you have in that role in this one regard that – that person's still going to teach the techniques and the scheme that the defensive coordinator wants. Like, you could have Marcus West, the D-line coach. Mm-hmm. Or Anthony Weaver could have come over as a D-line coach. He's now the uh, defensive coordinator oh, for the Dolphins, Miami. right? Yeah, Miami. He used to be in Buffalo. You could have Joe Sneaky Joe DiBiase be the defensive line coach. Mm-hmm. You know what they're going to do? Exactly what the defensive coordinator wants as far as their scheme and their technique. They're not going to come in and go, no, 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 I do it this way. That's not how it works, folks. So if you're upset that they kept it in-house because you want a fresh set of eyes, I get that part of it where, hey, sometimes you need a new perspective, but that person is still going to work within the framework of what you're doing. Yeah, It's no different than any other job. We could hire a, a host come in here mm-hmm. and sit here. Yeah, they're going to have their ideas, and they're going to talk about and have their opinions, Yeah, but they still got a break three times an hour. Right. And work within our clock and they still have to follow the rules of the company. And oh, yeah. it's it doesn't it doesn't work where you just go do what you want. Yeah. You can't you can't come in here and just spend an hour on the Seattle Mariners. So you're probably not oh, gonna That's exactly <laughs> right. That's exactly <laughs> right. It's not gonna last very long, I would think. Seattle Mariners, that'd be are they good, I, I tried are they to, good pick, to talk I, about? I tried to pick the most random sports team that popped into my head imagine. Did you read the story about Ichiro over the weekend and Tom Brady? No. I don't believe the only it. Brady content I took in this weekend was him topping a golf ball five feet at the pro am. There's a story quote out there someone found and repopulated. Maybe I'm not sure. There's a story that goes like this. This is 2017. Okay, apparently mm-hmm. 2017. Mm-hmm. Ichiro gets a random text on his phone, mm-hmm. and he says, "Hey," the text says, "Hey." I got your number from A-Rod. I'd really like to meet up with you to talk about your uh, stretching regimen. Mm-hmm. Okay? Yeah. And Ichiro relays this story to a trainer. Hey, I got this text. And the person goes, oh, who text? Who is it? He goes, I don't know. Some guy named Tom Brady. Who's Tom Brady? <laughs> you now, know who Tom I don't, Brady was? Okay. I don't believe that. I, don't, there, I, think that's got, that, I think he had to be joking if that's true. There's no way in 2017... Ichiro Suzuki did not know who Tom Brady was. I do not believe that. I think wherever that story went, whichever tentacle and however it it went, to me, it's him joking with the trainer. Yeah, who's Tom Brady? I don't know who that is. Dude, Tom Brady played the Seattle Seahawks in the Super Bowl while Ichiro was in Seattle. Yeah, I don't know, man. I think there's a chance he Come on! I think there's a chance he wouldn't have known. Would Ichiro have been in Seattle? Because they'd be in the offseason. I, he maybe wasn't residing there right there at that moment. Well, yeah, mm-hmm. I know, but I don't know. I feel he like didn't he didn't hand the ball to Marshawn Lynch. Tom Brady won. You think your throw didn't know anything about that? I think it would just be for me the reason why I might believe that it wasn't him would be 
Also, I think looking at his career now, I was pulling it up for a different reason. I think he's with the Yankees at that point in time. Okay, um, sorry, either, sorry, but folks. Way, but he's so he's so ingrained in Seattle. Yes. that part of it's right. Okay. Um, I think it's a cultural thing, which would have me believe there's a chance he wouldn't know. Like he shows up in just no time for football whatsoever. Don't care. I, I just no, no, not worried about it. It's not a part of my life at all. You know, it's the, the type of media he consumes, right? I might believe that he didn't know who Tom Brady was. I got to find Did you see it? Have you found this quote? Now, uh, I was looking. I was, I'm going to find it, it for did, you real quick, and, I'll, up, and yeah. I'll do this, okay? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to find this for you. Here we go. All right, here we go. I'm going to read this for you. You tell me if you believe this. One morning in spring training, 2017, he was in the coach's room looking at his cell phone text messages. Each year old told the coaches about one message he had just received from a number he didn't recognize. The guy said he had gotten Ichiro's number from Alex Rodriguez and that he wanted to come to meet him and study his stretching system. What's the guy's name? Asked one of the coaches. Ichiro strolled to the end of the text. Some guy named Tom Brady. Who the F is Tom Brady? I don't believe it. I think I believe him. I think I want to believe him. I believe that he doesn't know. I'm sorry. I don't know exactly where this quote came from. I, I see it written and I apologize. I got it, but they don't credit. So my apologies on that. Come on, I just don't believe it. <laughs> He's got to know. I'm telling you, I don't I don't think he would I don't know. All right. I would need some evidence that he's like even <laughs> been to a football game before I'm like willing to believe. I don't even need believe. that. I don't even need that. I, let's find out what Walter thinks. Uh let's start us off and we get connected with our fans. Walter, hey, try, Walter, do you think Ichiro actually knew who Tom Brady was or is that true? I uh, I, I want to think it's just a joke cuz I mean who I doesn't know. know who Tom Brady Come is, on. right? Come on, if you're involved in North American sports in any capacity, you got to know who Tom Brady is. <laughs> so it must have been a joke. It must have been. But I got a couple takes for you, gentlemen. Uh, if you don't mind, you have a little patience with me. Mm-hmm. First of all, Joe, God bless you. I love you. I love listening to you. But for you to say the U.S. is going to win the Olympics in 2020. Ooh, here we go. It's on. Damn right they are. Uh, okay, well, you know what? We got two years to jostle with this. Let me ask you, you're doing that uh, paper exercise and, mm-hmm. you know, matching up the two teams. And and remember, it's not played on paper, but on the ice. But who are you going to match up with? McDavid, McKinnon, Bedard, and I, Crosby up the middle, and McCart on the D. I hear, I hear you, Walter, but listen, I, and I might not disagree. Like, three of the best four players might be on that Canadian team, but you tell me a time in hockey history where the U.S. hasn't come closer center-wise, where they can line up Matthews, Jack Hughes, Jack Eichel, and if Tate Thompson can get it together in the next two years, you can throw him down the center, too. But those three, I mean, they they can hold their own. Sketchy guys. Uh, sorry, that's your brother. Sketchy, sketchy guys, Joe. I don't know. Eichel's off and on with the injuries. I mean, you're still wondering about Thomas. I mean, can you imagine a Canadian power play? They're going to score like a 50% clip. Before we get too far down this rabbit hole, real quick, Walter, who's making saves? Who's who's playing who's goal? Who's playing goal for Canada? You know what? If you're scoring seven a game. That's oh. what I thought. And Bennington, <laughs> Bennington rides. Walter, then you just, Bennington. you know what? Walter, they're the Leafs, Bennington. and that's all they are. They're the Leafs. That's get what they are, Walter. With crazy guy Bennington. <laughs> he, he shows up when he has to play. Oh. And we got two years to figure it out. All right. Yeah, and by then, Sidney Crosby will be 40, so, you know, we'll see where it goes. I don't know. He might be like LeBron-esque, though, where he's still uh, he'll going be 38, strong. He'll be 38. All right, Walter, I, got a, I do have a question for you. What is the chances, what are the chances, 2030, both you guys, Devin Levi, Canadian Olympic goalie? Well, you know, I think the Sabres are... 2030. Finally, I think he's. I, he might be... He might be there sooner if they have some sort of – it's 28. I think the Sabres are finally playing him properly. They're not overexposing him. They're, you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, so I'm just looking at the landscape. I don't, talk, I don't care about the Sabres part of it. I'm just thinking about yeah. the actual team and where they'll be in six years for Olympics. Well, in six years, it's almost a given if he continues right. on the trajectory. He may even be in two years. You know, two years is a lifetime in any spot. All right. Here we go, Joe. What do you think? Thanks, Walter. Appreciate it. By the way, getting connected with our fans always brought to you by Northtown Kia. Western New York's number one Kia dealer. Shop online at NorthtownKia.com. Yeah, I don't know how far the rabbit hole you want to go on this, but like Levi for that Team Canada in two years, it's unlikely, but they don't have anybody. Like, he... I, I'd have to do a d- deep dive into, like, other teams' goalie prospects. Mm-hmm. But if he takes a big jump in the next two years, he's he's Canada's goaltender. 
That's it would have to be in the Tristan Jari and Aiden Hill are their two goaltenders right now. Like average starting goalies in the NHL at best. When do they actually choose the team? Because wouldn't he have to kind of have the year next year to do it? I think probably like the fall of 25. Yeah, by the so time got, they go to camp in 25, like he'd he's have, got a year and a half. He'd have to be like the number one guy in Buffalo and doing well. Yeah, I, yeah, there, yeah. I don't think there's any way you could. Have, maybe, I Again, guess. No, we're at Jordan you're right, Bennington. You're right. Like, you're right. It's, you're it's, right. It's, you know, I don't know how good he really has to be. <laughs> the U.S., he would never make the team because they have like three of the top five goalies in the world. Mm. Um, but listen, hey, Walter's from Toronto. I get it. McDavid, McKinnon, like these are the best guys in the world, but the U.S. can uh, can match up. They need Tage Thompson to get back to 50-goal Tage, and then they'll have another one. He's got a year and a half, too. He might not make the team at this rate. 803-0550 if you want to jump on board. That's a I'm excited for it. Good question. Things a lot of things can change in a couple of years before these before this happens. Yeah. Although there'll be a tournament next year too. A little bit yeah, of a predetermining. I'm still very, very unclear on this. Are we just eliminating anybody from non those non four nations? Yeah, just for next year. Four they are in call it the four, the four nation nations face off. Yeah. Um just a precursor to the Olympics, I think. They're replacing the All-Star game with it. Right. So it'll be like a week-long, two-week-long event, and it's only U.S., Canada, Sweden, and Finland. And I think a big reason why they limited it to four is because they don't want to deal with making a decision on Russia right now. Probably Political reasons. Right. They want to push that off as far as possible. Sounds about right. Um, and then 26 is Olympics, and 30. They're committing to both right now, And right? maybe a World Cup in 28. So you might get four. Mm. You'll get two Olympics, which we care about the most. But you might get four international tournaments in the next five years. Where are the Where are these Olympics? 26 is Italy. Italy. Yep. And 30 will be France. All right. So a couple of European. So more. you'll get it in the mornings over here. Well, the home ice advantage for those Europeans. They're going to have the home ice advantage over there a couple That's times. Right. You know, U.S. is going to win them both. 803-0550, uh, if you want to jump on board. Are we at all to the point of the Matias Samuelson contract being a bad one? Uh, not yet, but you have to ask the question. I mean, it's a long-term just, commitment, and he can't stay healthy. He just, he's hurt all the time. Yeah, He's a good player when he's on the ice. He helps. He's a nice player. He yep. just has never been healthy. Uh, fully they, healthy for a long stretch of time. Yeah, they they they're going to need him. They're only into year one of a seven year contract. I, I like the player too. Um, although even on that front, like he didn't progress this year. I don't know if he's one of my top regression candidates, um, but he certainly didn't take like he didn't reaffirm like oh I could be a top pair defenseman with Rasmus Dahlin the next seven years. Like he wasn't playing up to that caliber, and the injuries piled on top of it. That of the extensions they've done, like Cousins and Thompson have regressed in a big way, but they were already good values. Like Thompson was playing like a ten million dollar hockey player last year, at thirty plus goals, even as a disappointment, he's probably worth seven million bucks. And Cousins, I have confidence will get back to his level. He's already starting to do it. Power's the other one, but Power it's so early and he's so young that. That's going to keep you hopeful, I think, for at least a few years. Whereas Samuelson, like, hey, he's, you know, 23, and that's still young, but a lot of your development's already done by the time you're 23. So this might be as good as he gets, and we have the injury questions on top of it. Now, his cap hit's not as big as those other guys, but of the guys they've signed in, like, the last year and a half, I think he's the one I'm most worried about. Yeah. More more than power. I know power is a bigger number, but I, I just, you know, sophomore slump, Darlene had the same thing, right, before he took another step forward. Um, I think power is too talented to not get there eventually, even though it's going slower than all of us want. Yeah, I agree. I, it feels like it at some point, he is so young, and I know Samuelson is young too, but it feels like he's so young, that will that will eventually come. He gets all yep. this, the number one pick, he's throwing in right away, he gets the money. Maybe there's got it. Maybe there's an adjustment period that you know we yep. weren't prepared for here. Yep. With Owen Power, but that could happen. Um, Owen Power, a Team Canada guy. He, I saw. I was looking up some uh, projections from like the fall, uh-huh. and he was on a couple of guys' lists. Mm-hmm. If you look at them from like the last week, he's not on anybody's list. So he could. He would have to. He would have to really take a step though. Which he hey he could he could do he should he was the number one pick he got compared to Victor Hedman, Hedman by the way also had a little bit of a slow start to his career so like there that sh- it should be in there, but it's just troubling when 
he's harder for this than Darlene. Darlene in his first couple years, it wasn't going great. You saw a flash every once in a while. And it's because of the type of player he is, right? He's a skilled player. He's a big puck mover. Makes all the stick handling moves that you can make. You saw flashes with Darlene. Power's not a flashy player. Mm-hmm. And he's also not a physical player. So when he's not playing well, it kind of looks like he's doing nothing. I, I, I wish he'd be more a little more physical for his size. That's I the, that's, agree with that. That's yeah. the knock I have on him. If he could be a little more physical with his because of his size, he should be. And I'm not Mr. You know, I need no, my 6'6 no, no, six, no. Six defenseman cross-checking nope, everybody. Nope, agreed. But, yeah, he looks to me like he doesn't know how to use his frame. Or, or like, maybe he's got to put on 20 pounds of muscle in the next two years. Like, yeah, that element needs – he shouldn't be pushed off the puck. With that right. frame, and it happens a lot too. It happens way too often. Jeff in Buffalo. Before we hit the break, and then Paul Hamilton on the other side. What's up, Jeff? Hey guys. Um, you know what? I was listening to your conversation. I, I, what I wanted to talk about is Bills pending free agents, uh, pre- yeah. particularly uh, Floyd. But listening to your conversation with the Sabers, if I can just vary off of my question, because sure. I, I, I go am, ahead, go right ahead. You know, I, I've been a. I divulge my age. I'm 58 years old. I've been a Sabres fan since I can remember. I mean, I remember them drafting Gilbert Perot. And God bless you, Sabres fans. I've lived in Buffalo my whole life, and like I said, for the first 40 of it, I was a Sabres fan. And I got to say, you really got to wonder. I mean, it's great to think, oh, down. But the big picture with the Sabres is – I hate to be that guy, but it's horrible. I mean, and then you go, when you get to this point of where you start picking, you know, number ones and you start picking in the top three, and then uh, they're here for three years and you sign them for seven, I can see, and I mean, I hate to be the negative guy here, but you got you got Cage Thompson, you got a few other guys that you've signed long-term, like Darlene, which is a great player, uh, Powers, you got to wonder, like, dude, at some point, aren't you going to, like, just say, I cannot develop this talent, I cannot develop this use. The next path to do is to start packaging or trading these players for veteran players or players in their mid-20s who have played the NHL game and know how it's played. It's just, I, I just feel so bad for Sabres fans. I just, and like I said, I'm a lifelong Buffalonian. Okay. Um, Go ahead on your on your other on your Bills point. Yeah. Anyway, on my Bills point, um, Leonard Floyd, I read something like you know uh, he's all about the money and wants to get done. Is there? Do you guys see like any possible way, especially uh, the depleted defensive end, that they do somehow wiggle out some kind of contract or a uh, huge signing bonus and get him under some uh, you know a decent salary cap number for him to stay? Because when he came, uh, I was totally excited. Um, Good mm-hmm. player, solid in every aspect of the game. Um, mm-hmm. I know he's a little bit long in the tooth, or he's getting up there for a defensive end, but he still produces. So, I mean, you know, and it's a Poyer, do you think Poyer will come back at all? I think all Poyer's right, a, I, I, well, let's let's start let's start yeah. with Floyd. Floyd, I think, is more likely to be re-signed than Epinesa, if you ask me. Mm-hmm. He was more productive sack-wise, but age is big here. And I'm looking at Floyd. They somehow worked – his contract to the it was a two point six million dollar cap hit mm-hmm. last year. The void years the void and stuff. Years, yep. I don't know how that works. If you were to sign him back to the void years, I mean, I guess they, I they're it, voided. These go away. Well, yeah, I don't he, know how that works. They just go away essentially. Yes, okay. but the void years basically accelerate. That's how they did it. They he's okay. going to count on the cap. He'll count kind of double basically. If that makes sense. I see. You'll sign him to a new deal, but you already have to take care of the old deal because that's how you did it. Okay. Well, I guess then you've already spent that money, so. You know, you might right. just have to do the same thing. Let's just let me just put it this way: He was coming off a nine sack season, a nine and a half sack season, and a ten and a half sack season, and he didn't miss a single game in those three years. No injury question, and he was productive. And look at the contract he got. So he was great last year for the Bills, but if nobody wanted to give him a big contract last year, what makes me think that he's not going to be around the same price this year to get back? Right. I always wonder about guys who they take a long time before they sign and. So you're like, okay, well, if that's the case. But he had another good year. We'll see. As far as Poyer, I don't know. At this point, I think it's less than 50% chance that Jordan Poyer's back simply by the number, his age, the fact that Brandon Bean said they're going to get younger at some positions. Yep. Um, I just, it feels like that's not the case. But he did come back last year after many of us, including me, thought he would not be. I was going to say, a year ago, we might have put the chances lower 
than we would right now. Um, the only, the biggest reason I would give it a shot that he could be back is they're basically, they have no other safeties. Right. And maybe just the fact that they are nowhere at the position at this point, you know, might mean, hey, rather than replace four guys, maybe we just bring Poyer back and do three. But I think you're probably right that if I had to put money down on it, I'd probably bet that he wouldn't be back. Emery Hunt's going to join us at the top of the hour, 11 o'clock. Football game plan. He was at the Senior Bowl. Everything on prospects we need to know, especially wide receivers, interior D-line. We'll do that. In the meantime, Paul Hamilton standing by. He'll join us after this timeout to talk about the Sabres and the latest on Matias Samuelson missing the rest of the year and where they go here after the All-Star break getting back. Tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. That clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. Odyssey celebrates the class of 2024. Brought to you by T-Mobile. You can count on T-Mobile to help you stay connected on America's largest 5G network. After it with a game tomorrow night. It's Paul Hamilton. That's what they called me in college. It's the bone. He has the facts to back up his opinions. People will ask me, well, how are the Sabres going to win tonight? I don't have a clue. On WGR Sports Radio 550. We haven't talked to Paul in about a week. For good reason. The Sabres were off. Paul was off. We're going to get to that in a second. <laughs> and Paul's appearances, we want to remind you because we haven't talked to him in a while. Always here on WGR, brought to you by Equitable Advisors. Planning for your futures about more than just money. Let Equitable be your guide by Relax Honda. Relax, we got this. So uh, Joe told me during the break here, you were at Kennedy Space Station. Did you see a launch, too? Yeah. Wow. We get there, we get there and the guy at the hotel says, hey, there's a launch tomorrow at 1 o'clock. Whoa. We're in. <laughs> we'll be there. It was an unmanned uh, ship going to the uh, uh, the space center up in the sky there. That's cool. And just taking supplies and that type of thing. So it was really cool to see that. They they launch quite a few rockets now. That's why you don't really see them anymore. Remember when launches always used to be on the news networks and everything, and now you, like, never see them. But it was – I'll tell you what, I, Sal, I don't know if you've ever taken the family down there, but it's it's just so cool. I, I was looking forward to going to the Kennedy Space Center, but it exceeded expectations by – I can't even tell you how much. I mean – you walk in, and it, the the real Atlantis is hanging from the yep. ceiling. We were there you know? two years ago. I didn't see a okay, launch, good. but we were there two years ago. It was amazing, good. and I agree with you. Yeah, it's it's it's. Uh, I'm sure your son was extremely yes. impressed, and I, as I said, I it exceeded my expectations. I just loved every minute of it. It was it was really cool. It's awesome, Joe. You've been there, right? I've been there as well. Yeah. The shuttle there. I did uh, not get lucky enough to see a launch, but that would no. be I, that is definitely a place I want to go back next time I'm in Florida. Yeah, and they take you into the, like, the old control rooms where they actually were mm-hmm. when they had some of these launches back at Apollo and all that kind of stuff. Super cool for any history buff for sure. Um, so, what was it like to watch the launch though when you saw it like up close? How close did you get? We were like ten miles away, um, and then found out you can actually get closer. I, there was actually a really cool bar on Cocoa Beach at the end of a pier. We went there for a happy hour and looked over. That would have actually been a better view of the launch had mm. we known right. to, to go to the end of the pier and watch it there. Um, and and they have like grandstands yeah. that you can actually reserve. Now it costs money to go there. I, I would have paid it had I known, but it just all oh, all right. There's a launch, and the guy goes, "You can see it from here." So that's where we went. And we were about 10 miles away from it. You could still see it, but not up close and personal. Now that I've been at the Kennedy Space Center and seen where you can actually get right up on top of these launches, because we went to a launching pad, uh, the, the the one uh, 30, 39A and B or 38A mm-hmm. and B, whatever it is, yep. um, you know, where many shuttles have taken off. And we got to see that up close. But then I got to see where there are vantage points that you can actually pay for and uh, be really, really close to these launches. And if I had it over again, absolutely, I would do that. Paul Hamilton on the Wester Hotline. Allow me to make a very cheesy 
radio transition and segue here. <laughs> the Sabres are about to launch the second half of their season, essentially, mm-hmm. here. So here we go. Uh, they're on the launching night, pad. They're on the launching pad. They're ready to go. But, <laughs> Paul, is it a dud? Does it matter? Does it matter here? I mean, what does it matter? What What is the second half all about for this team? Well, the thing is, and I, I was talking with Joe about this earlier, you, you know, since December 30th, they're the third best defensive team in the National Hockey League. Their goaltending has been superb. I mean, in his last nine games, Uko Pekalukinen has put up some of the best numbers in the NHL. So you're getting great goaltending. You've played much, much better defensive hockey. The turnovers are down. You're scoring more goals. I mean, Dylan Cousins seems to be like Dylan Cousins again. Paterka's red hot. I think Thompson is playing better, but the puck's not going into the net for him. Tuck is Tuck. I mean, he just very consistent type of a hockey player. But so here you are. In their last 16 games, they're 9-6-1. and one. That's good enough in most years to get you in the playoffs. I believe it's a 97-point pace. The year that the Capitals got in with 100, you wouldn't have gotten in. But most years you get in with that. That's pretty good. And in that time, they've lost a point in the playoff race. They're one point further back than they were before going 9-6-1. and one which I think is a good record. So that tells you what's happening around them when you're trying to leapfrog. And they've only been able to leapfrog one team, Montreal. And they're still tied with Montreal, but they hold the tiebreakers. So now they have to get over five teams instead of six. So you play, your your goaltender's been one of the best in the league. Your defense has been one of the best in the league. Your penalty killing has been some of the best in the league. You're scoring somewhat more goals, and you've lost a point in the playoff race. That has to be frustrating, you know, if you're a team. But you can only control what you can control. And it just goes to show, yeah, 9-6-1 is pretty good, but they're going to probably have to, if, if they want to get back into this, they're probably going to have to go on an 8-9-10 game winning streak. Well, that said, I don't think anybody's expecting that. So if you're Kevin Adams and Don Granado, is that what you do, though? You just say, hey, we're just going to keep trying to win and win and win and see where the chips fall, or do you approach anything differently here in the second half knowing the situation you're in? Well, you know, the trade deadline, you know, comes up, and, and you know, you, you, have to, you have to now make a decision what you want to do. Uh, you know, if, if teams come calling, you know, are, are you willing to part with player A or player B? It's, it's not impossible to make a hockey trade, and some hockey trades have been made recently. But at the trade deadline, hockey trades normally, and I want to use the word normally, aren't made. That's more of, okay, we have guys on expiring contracts. Let's try to get a pick for them and move on. The type of trade that I think is going to help the Buffalo Sabres more is more of a summer trade. You know, getting a a top four defenseman who, you know, ideally shoots right and and you can put in your lineup. They didn't, they should have done that in the last offseason and didn't. I think they need to get a couple of more forwards that are difficult to play against. I mean, the talent, I, I know they've regressed. I'm not extremely concerned that I think Dylan Cousins is more like last year than what you've seen this year. I think Thompson is more like last year than what you've seen this year. Um, I, 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 so I, I'm not extremely concerned that that's a long-term type of thing. I, I, I like their top six. And if Quinn were to play a full season, I think you'd be seeing him doing what Paterka's doing right now. Um, so, you know, the top six, if you can improve your top six, no question, get out there and improve it. But, you know, I, I still think they, championship teams have guys who are hard to play against, like a line of them, that other teams say to themselves, ooh, you know what, I, I, I just, this is going to be a tough night, you know. We're, we're going to be in for it. They're, you know, they're, you know, every battle is going to be tough against that line, and we don't want to play against that line. You know, Jordan Greenway, I think maybe is a guy you can count on that. He's one of the best penalty killers in the NHL. Um, I'd like to get a little more production than they have gotten out of him lately. But you could say, okay, you got one of the guys, um, Robinson. Maybe I think you could even do better. Not, I haven't hated Robinson the way he's played. But Robinson and Gergensen's would fit that, but I think you can do better. 
uh, and find guys who are better than those two. But that's where I think those types of trades, and I think they have to be willing to overpay at some point for a player that really they really, really need. If it's that top four defenseman and you need mm-hmm. to overpay, you've got the assets, I feel, right now, where if you need to make a trade, not ten of them, but if you need to make a trade where you overpay and give up a couple of your prospects, I think the time has come in this offseason that you need to do that. Yeah, that's that's the benefit, Paul, of having all the assets is, well, you can outbid anybody. But if someone else is willing to pay market value for a player, well, then you have to be willing to go, all right, well, this is probably a little more than this guy should be worth, but if I don't do it, then I don't get the guy. And on your point about, like, you know, the Greenway types and whatnot, maybe even those types but that produce a little more, I like skill and speed mixed out throughout the lineup, but if you look at the list of players that have made the team recently and that are developing in the system, that type of player you're talking about is not the guy I see, you know, that's that's a mm-hmm. year away from making it. No, you don't see it. It's not that's the thing. That's why they have to get that player because you're right, that player is not in the system. They've got Rochester has guys that fit the AHL, but I'm not convinced that they would fit the NHL uh, as far as that goes. So, you know, I think, I think yes, absolutely, you're right. I think that you have to look outside to get those. And I always use the Lightning as an example where they got swept by the Columbus Blue Jackets with a lot of top-end talent. I mean, they certainly had great talent on those teams, but they didn't have the guys we're talking about. And it hurt them once they got into playoffs and got swept by the Columbus Blue Jackets. And they looked at it and said, wait a minute, you know, we have to change those guys. And that's when they out got out and got Maroon and uh, a group like that. Just one line that can go out there and be really, really tough to play against and be a pain. And um, I, I look at what the Vancouver Canucks have done, you know, even before they made this big trade. You know, what they went out and got, and I I look at the end of their lineup, you know, Teddy Bluger, Sam Lafferty, Connor Garland, Dakota Joshua, Nils Hoglander, who was a pick for them. But guys that, I'm looking at the line chart when they came to Buffalo, their stats have changed a little bit, but Hoglander had 12 goals in their bottom bottom, uh, two lines. Uh, Guys that uh, Joshua had 11. Guys that have won. Bluger's played for the Pittsburgh Penguins. Lafferty is, uh, uh, you know, guys that have won before, but they brought in to help fill in for their stars and the guys that do score goals for them. Now, of course, they have Quinn Hughes. Who, and the, but the Sabres have Rasmus Dahlin, who's not playing like he's – he's been better lately, you know, since the Sabres have better defensively, so is he in power. But, you know, he can be what Quinn Hughes does. He can be that dominant – elite defenseman the Sabres need him to be elite and of course they have Thatcher Demko who is rounded into one of the top goaltenders in the National Hockey League but that's their blueprint where they looked at it and said okay we've got Peterson we've got JT Miller we got Besser you know we've got these guys in the in the top of the lineup now we've got to add to it and they've gone from a team that maybe wasn't even as good as the Sabres last year to one of the best teams in the National Hockey League just by making those additions. And that's the blueprint, I think, is a good blueprint to making yourself a much, much better team. Did I miss anything while I was kind of unplugged this weekend? Do we know if they're bringing up somebody for Quinn, Kulik, or anyone? Like, Do we know how they're filling that void? It doesn't sound like it. I feel bad for uh, Rosianne and... Uh, and Kulik, they were on their way to San Jose for the All-Star Skills Challenge oh. and to play in the game, and they missed the challenge for because of flight mess-ups. So uh, they weren't able to participate in that. They will be in, there in time for the game, so they're in that. Right now, the Sabres are home for four games. They have one extra forward and one extra D. Eric Johnson and Gergensons are supposed to be cleared today. Uh, that's when they anticipated them to be cleared to play, and that gives them an extra forward and an extra d they do have one roster spot if they would choose to use it but they're covered like in warm-up if a forward gets hurt they got a guy if a defenseman gets hurt they got a guy 
So uh, it doesn't sound like they're going to use that roster spot right now. Benson seems to be the guy now that is going to get the opportunity in Quinn's spot uh, to play with Cousins and Paterka. Well, they they uh, they host Dallas tomorrow, Paul. It can't go worse than the last time they hosted Dallas, Oof. which I believe was a ten goal game against the Sabers at the end of last year. Yeah, and that um, was the one that Comrie had to sit thing. in there. Yeah, yeah, for the whole thing. Um, and yeah. yeah, that was that. And if I'm one of the Buffalo Sabers, I know it was a year ago, but you know what? I haven't forgotten that game. If I'm if I'm playing. I, yeah, that's in the back of my mind that that team walked into my building and embarrassed me, mm-hmm. and that would be on my mind. One one last quick thing for the second half of the season here. How important should it be even just to get signs that their power play has any life? Because, I mean, last year it was so good. This year it's so bad. And if you look at the list, Paul, of the teams around them, like the bottom ten teams in the league in the power play, like there's like one playoff team. Like, you mm-hmm. just can't really be in the mix even if you have a power play that's this bad. And even for the future, I feel like I'm going to want to see some sign that they, they have an answer to what they've been looking like there. Yeah, and the thing is, too, you, you look at the penalty kill, and you're, you've been very good there lately and, and, and done that, but the power play is basically the same guys, same coaching staff that was – First, second, or third for most of the season last year. It fell right at the end of the year, and I, th- I believe it wound up eighth. Uh, but for the most part, they were the top three po- power play team in the league. And five-on-five, five, they are one of the better teams in the league at goal scoring. Their five-on-five five goal scoring is, is, is very good. But their problem is they just don't get any goals, and they give up. It seems like they give up more goals than they score on the power play. Uh, Short-handed goals, they're tied for the league lead against. And that's on Darlene, and to a lesser extent, power. A lot of those have been Darlene. Uh, and when I talk about Darlene needs to be an elite defenseman, he is not, neither one of them have been good quarterbacking the two power plays. But they really don't have anybody else to do it. And Darlene can be much, much better, I think, at quarterbacking the power play than he's been. I think that's been part of it right there. And teams decide, all right, we'll shade Tate Thompson. He is not going to beat us. And none of the other four guys have shown that they can be the guy to make other teams pay for that. And that's what they have to do. Other teams have to be worried about both circles. They have to be worried about that quarterback at the top on the blue line. They have to be worried about that guy in the middle. And you saw the Sabres score a couple of power play goals in the last homestand with Tuck attacking the net from the goal line, coming across sending the pass across to a wide-open middle stat or somebody for goals or great scoring opportunities. And they did a little bit of that. They switched it up a little bit. And that, that's what they have to do. Other teams have to be worried about more than Thompson. And right now, that's all they have to worry about, and it totally shuts down the Sabre power play. Sabres stars tomorrow night, 7 o'clock here on WGR on the Sabres radio network. Paul Hamilton at PHPHAM1717 on X slash Twitter, and of course, WGR550.com. Paul, welcome back, and we look forward to talking to you later in the week. Thank you, and take care, guys. All right, you got it. Paul Hamilton right there. We'll take a timeout. Emery Hunt at 11.05. Emery all over the Senior Bowl, these other bowl games that are going on, prospects, wide receivers, interior D-line. He'll break it all down for us. We'll take a timeout here. We'll come back. Then Emery Hunt at 11.05. Joe, what um, number did you wear when you played high school football? 85. I want to know why my high school number is on the board here. 80. I'm looking over. I'm like, are you guys paying uh, tribute to Sal Capaccio, Cleveland Hill yes. Hall of Famer, at number 80 That's there? exactly what we're doing. Okay, actually. I thought so. Do you see that the, uh, I have the, no the idea. logo is on the top? Uh, the logo is a train. That would yep. be the wide receiver train. Yep. 80 would be Jerry Rice's number. Mm-hmm. 80 is also the number of days until oh. the wide receiver train comes into, uh, not comes into port, comes into station. Yeah, there we go. Eighty boats. I miss. Thank, thank I miss the. <laughs> I miss the eighties for for not the decade. The number eighty for wide receivers. Jerry Rice, 
Yeah. James Lofton, Steve Largent, yeah. like all the great guys were 80. My guy growing up, the reason I wore 80 was Jerry Butler of the Buffalo Bills. Jerry Butler. I said earlier that I'm out on Lad McConkey, who uh, tore up the Senior Bowl because uh-huh. he wears number 84. What? No. And he just doesn't look good to me. 80s, I don't know. 80s are the, I that's the receiver number. Number four. He'd look better to me if he was wearing we, number four. We have created this generation of, they think the better receiver numbers are these low teen numbers and single. No. Yep. 80. Andre Reid was 83. It's Tim Brown, 81. Who changed this? Because you wanna like you you wore 80 because of uh Jerry Butler. Jerry Butler. Yeah. I wore 85 because I loved Chad Johnson. There you go. And because there were like three other yes. numbers I wanted that were off the table, so it was my fourth choice. <laughs> um but anyways, you pick numbers because of who you watched and loved as a kid, right? Uh-huh. Uh-huh. I wear 61 in hockey because of Max Finneganoff. I love it. Why is Justin Jefferson wearing number two? I don't know. why. Although, to be fair, he wears 18. He wore two at LSU. Why is uh, Jamar Chase wearing number one? Who do you watch growing up can, wearing number one? Nobody, right? He's cre- Hey, there, no, say, as a coach, you create your own, but you're right. They're all creating their own, I think. Yes, but you're right. If you liked somebody growing up, they didn't wear those numbers if you played those positions. Right. That you, position. They, you would be wearing, if like, who's Jamar Chase emulate growing up? Randy Moss? Well, no, he's younger than me, so actually it would probably be like the Chad Johnsons and the Steve Smiths. and those Thurman guys. Thomas wore 34 because of Earl Campbell. Earl Campbell yeah. was 34. Thurman grew up in Texas. He loved him. He wore 34. Yep. Now you get to the NFL, nah, nah, I'm three or I'm four. James Cook wears four. Yeah. Where he came into the league, he didn't right? because he didn't have that. Was twenty eight. Well, I mean, good for them that they're 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 making their own and they want they're going to be yeah. the guys that are being emulated. All right, we got number eighty. Listen, eighty days. It's a tight end number now. Uh, it is eighty. Eighty days. It is a tight end number. We'll take a timeout. Emory Hunt's going to join us. Speaking of the wide receiver train, we will talk with him about the prospects, what he saw at the Senior Bowl, moving forward, interior D line. I asked him to be ready about those two specific positions, so I know he's going to have a lot of info on that. We'll take a timeout. We'll come back. Emory Hunt on the other side. TuneIn is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. That clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. Odyssey celebrates the class of 2024, brought to you by T-Mobile. You can count on T-Mobile to help you stay connected on America's largest 5G network. 